This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Oh, you got her, dude. She's down. Let's go. Dude, I just shot a deer of a lifetime. Freaking smoked him. One with nature, and if you're a believer, one with God. Definitely gets your heart pumping. Boy, you are in trouble. Oh, Obsession Podcast. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another Fall Obsession Podcast episode. Appreciate you guys tuning in to another week. I am Sam Thrash with Fall Obsession, once again your host for this week's podcast. And this week we have one of our own pro staffers join us. It's his first time on the podcast with us, and that is pro staffer Tim Burgess. Tim, welcome to Fall Obsession Podcast. Hey Sam, thanks for having me. You bet, man. So we're kind of going to get into some nitty-gritty details today on putting in for those non-resident out-of-state draws and just some information tim's very well versed in in those areas so we're going to cover some information on that for those of you who may be new to the non-resident hunting experience or um, even if it is uh, a draw in your state or something like that i know there's some unique situations out there so we're going to get into all that today but before we kick things off tim i'm going to turn it over to you and just give you an opportunity to kind of introduce yourself tell folks a little bit about yourself and where you uh frequent in the hunting world hey so i i live in colorado near denver and i i regularly hunt here oklahoma texas i've been to wyoming a couple other places um so it just kind of depends i've also hunted south africa um and and planning to go back next year to do that again uh mule deer is probably my favorite animal to hunt and do a lot of that um, done some elk, whitetail, pheasant is probably number two on my list. My family has a farm that we go out to every year and have a good, good old time doing that. Awesome. So to bring us into our 
kind of our, like I said, our topic of conversation with um, these putting in for draws and applications and stuff like that. Why don't you start us off by telling us what you put in for this year and what you have on your radar? So this year is a little odd for me because I'm putting in light. Um, my my wife and I, we just had a new baby about two weeks ago. So we are extra busy. So I was told I couldn't hunt as much this year as normal. Um, so this year um, I basically put in, I'm going to put in for preference points in most likely Montana and Wyoming both um, for antelope and elk. In Colorado, um, I put in for a special elk hunt called a ranching for wildlife um, tag. It's for residents only, but it's a really high success rate. Basically you get to hunt a private ranch um, for free at a weird time. Mine, the one I'm putting in for is like the second week of January. Um, and so I'm putting in for that to see if I can get a cow tag. Um, I'm also putting in for a mule deer tag um, at my family farm, which is in Northeast Colorado. Um, we'll see if that works out. I probably won't have enough preference points to get it. So I'll probably just get a point and then get a white tail tag. Um, also putting in for antelope, te- uh, antelope preference point and a bear preference point. Gotcha. Very cool. So <clears throat> we're going to kind of focus on the States that you're, you have some background with and that you're familiar with and everything today. Um, but I'll, I'll let you kick it off with, with whichever one you choose. But um, And to kind of go along with that, kind of prefacing this, um, I, I have the experience of putting in for my Montana tags um, for pronghorn and stuff like that. But that, that's really as far as my experience goes. So I'm a novice along with our listeners, and I'm going to be learning here today as well. Um, so for a first-timer, coming to i mean we can take colorado or whichever you prefer first but for a first time we're putting in for one of these states what are the ins and outs of what we need to know yeah so there's a couple things that are kind of off the bat that i see a lot of people make the mistake is what does it actually cost because i think that's everybody's like number one reason they do or don't do one place or the other um the nice thing about colorado is you just pay a part of it up front and you pay the rest when you draw Whereas Wyoming and Montana, you have to upfront the entire fee. And then if you don't draw, they refund it to you. Right. Um, so like, for example, in Colorado, as a non-resident, it's $9 per animal you want to put in for as like an application fee. You have to have a habitat stamp, which is another $10 and 40 cents. It changes every year right now. Cause car has a weird thing where license fees go up every year slightly. Um, so next year it'll be different, but this year it's $10.40 and you have to buy a small game license. Uh, right now for a non-resident, those are $84 and 96 cents. So upfront, you're basically at a hundred bucks just for one animal. If you're going to do that for $9 more, you can get preference points on additional species. So it's a really good idea if let's say you just want to go elk hunting this year, but you're like, Hey, I would love to go mule deer hunting in three years. Well, for nine bucks, you can get a preference point towards that mule deer tag and get a better better opportunity down the road so for most people i always recommend putting for at least one additional if not two additional preference points on animals that way you can get something uh, working your way for the future Um, that's kind of step one is like figure out what animal you want to go after this year and if you have future goals of coming back to that state after that you really want to narrow down what kind of hunt do i want do i want 
big open areas like stage flats? Do I want high mountain uh, cliffs? Do I want to be out in the plains? Um, we have all of that with elk and deer in Colorado. Um, so it's kind of up to what you can physically handle and what uh, you can be prepared for. The other thing is what dates work for you. Um, for elk, there are a ton of seasons. Um, the archery season is basically the month of September, if I remember right. Yeah, so it's September 2nd to September 30th. So it's basically a month. Well, most people aren't going to hunt the whole month. I mean, I, I never get that luxury and I, whenever I go, so that'd, that'd be nice if somebody got to. Uh, muzzleloader is right in the middle of that, September 11th to 19th. And then first rifles the 16th of November to the 20th of November. And then basically every other week after that, there's a rifle season um, up until the end of November for elk. And so if you're going to pick one of those, your other thought is, well, do I want to hunt deer as well? Because the second and third rifle seasons also have deer, mule deer seasons at the same time, whereas the first and fourth rifles don't. So it's kind of up to dates you have available and what all you want to go after as well as the area and so um to give people an idea like unit three that's where i go a lot that's north east northwest colorado up near craig is the closest town um, it's really a very high population of elk um it's probably about 40 percent public land so pretty good amount um, but there are some massive, massive, massive parts of private. You know, there's 60,000 acre ranches regularly throughout that area. And so the elk will will hang out there a lot. So basically you're waiting for snow to push them off of the private. So like I went second season last year. We had some snow and there was like one day where they got pushed to public. And we couldn't get a shot. Worked out. Um, we got into about 80 yards and just didn't couldn't get the angle right with the rifle. Um, but that area is great for that. It's sage flats, mostly top elevation is about 8,500 feet. So it's not, it's very doable for most people uh, with a good four wheel drive. Um, cause the roads are pretty bad up there. Yeah. Gotcha. So <clears throat> in the process of planning all this and figuring out when and, and where you want to go, um, what season and all that stuff, Obviously, we're talking about this, and, and right now, um, application season is upon us, and, and deadlines are even coming up. We're at the beginning part of April of 2021 right now. Um, how much time do you think is is truly necessary to, not just to, obviously, you need time to be able to acquire tag, but how much time do you, you think needs to go into planning a trip like this? So it kind of depends on like how willing you are to sleep and be uncomfortable. I mean, if you're willing to sleep in your truck just about anywhere um, and be willing to move around day to day to go to a new area inside your unit, um, I would say as long as you pick a unit that you're able to physically handle um, and has good public land, you could probably just do, hey, I want to go to that unit at this time, and then you can just make it happen by driving spot to spot, walking around the public, getting up on glassing spots, looking around. Um, so you could probably just pick in a, you know, half an hour, an hour looking over stuff. Um, when I researched that area, I'd been hunting there as a kid and then I kind of went back, but I did a bunch of research. I've probably spent, uh, last year, I probably spent about 10 hours on Onyx looking at it. 
after I had picked that's where I was going. Um, I kind of just knew that was the area I wanted to go because it was a automatic cow tag where it's there's so many cow tags that you can draw with no points as a resident or non-resident. I was taking a new hunter, so I wanted to have the opportunity where he wouldn't have to worry about any of that kind of stuff. And then also it's over-the-counter bulls for second season, so we both had cow and bull tags in case we happen to get lucky and find um, one or the other both at the same area. So um, it's a little bit of investment as a non-resident because you're you're in a lot more money to get two tags. But as a resident, it was you know it's like a hundred bucks for t- the two tags, a little over hundred bucks. So it was no big deal. Um, as a non-resident, it'd be like fourteen hundred, like thirteen, fourteen hundred bucks. So a little different conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned earlier when when you were talking about um, Colorado, Montana, Wyoming, you're talking about how Colorado has the um, basically where you pay a portion of the fee up front. And whereas Montana, Wyoming, you, you pay for everything up front. And then if you do not get drawn, you get refunded. What other big differences have you found? But let's just take these three States, for example, between these, these three States in their, in their draw application processes. Wyoming allows you to buy a preference point at a later time during the year. Um, Colorado, you have to put in for it at the primary draw to get a preference point. Um, and you can either get it by not drawing or by putting in, there's a code for just getting a preference point. So let's say, you know, five years from now you want to go, you can just put in that code uh, for five years in a row and get points towards that. And you have something, you still got to pay the money. So it's about a hundred bucks, but um, it's not terrible for a non-resident. As for Wyoming, their deadline for preference points is way later. I want to say it's like September, at least September, if not later than that, um, where you can put in for a preference point only and you pay like 50 bucks and then they will um, let you get that. Um, I haven't, I didn't do it last year, so I'm not sure exactly what the, okay. It looks like they changed the deadline to November 1st. So yeah, super late um, deadline for that. Gotcha. Um, And then, it's a way like if you decide like, Hey, this year I like looked, I struck out where I wanted to go. Maybe I'll try Wyoming next year. Like by then you might, or your hunting season might already be over, especially if you went archery, like you're already done for sure. Um, anywhere you went archery by November 1st, like, Hey, I can get a point for Wyoming. I can get a better tag next year. Um, I'll put in for that and, uh, try to get that a better spot for next year. Um, at that point. Gotcha. So there are, and I, I understand that it's depending on the state and where you're at sometimes, but explain the, the difference between bonus points and preference points. Okay. So uh, a preference point is like every year you put in and don't get it or put in for preference points, you get a point. So, for example, I have three elk points. So I've put in three times and didn't draw the elk tag I wanted or bought a preference point. So this year when I apply, I'll get my fourth because I'm just putting – I'll probably get my fourth because I probably won't draw that special tag. So every time you put in for a draw, they go – in Colorado, they go for the most preference points draws the tag. And so like a really nice trophy unit in Colorado is unit two. It's north – it's big old bull central. Um, but to draw a unit two archery tag as a resident takes eight points to give wow. you an idea. It's difficult as a non-resident, a unit two archery tag takes 28 points. The system's only been around 32 years. 
So people basically who have 28 points have been putting in basically since the beginning. Gotcha. So whereas a bonus point, um, the best example I know of this is Montana uh, Mountain Goat and Bighorn Sheep. So basically every year you put in, you get a point. Well, they square your points. So the first year, you get one. The second year, you have four. Third year, you have nine, et cetera. So they grow a lot faster. Well, everybody's does that. So people who have been putting in for 10 years have 100. People who have been putting in for 20 years have whatever 20 squared is, a, a bunch. So um, it's just a way to have more chances. The bonus point system, at least there's a partial of the animals that are given out kind of randomly um, with a certain minimum. And so you basically have to, I think it's in Colorado, you have to have three for the mountain goat, sheep, um, moose. I think it's the same in Montana. You have to have nine to have any chance at all. Um, but realistically, you probably need to have 15 to 20 um, to have a realistic shot at a good good area for wow. a ram. For, a, for an ewe, for a female, you can have a lot less. But um, for a ram, you're looking at probably 20 years plus um, for any of those. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. And one, one thing on that is every state has a different fee for um, preference points for um, usually it's moose, mountain goat, bighorn. And um, mount those three usually cost additional fees. Like in Colorado, you have to pay an additional hundred dollars as a non-resident per preference point you want to have per year. Um, so it gets expensive in a hurry. As residents, fifty bucks, and you have to have three before you can even enter the drawing. So you're looking at four years realistically till you even have a shot at a female, and you're out four hundred bucks before you even even looked at it. Wow. Takes a uh, takes commitment for sure. Yeah. <laughs> if that's what you're yes. looking at doing, yeah. Absolutely. Um, one thing that Montana does have a over-the-counter, um, really low success rate mountain goat, um, I mean, uh, bighorn sheep hunt. So if you are looking at that, that's definitely something to look at. Um, it's an unlimited tag, but a limit number of animals can be taken, and you have to, like, sat phone in every couple days to check on it. Uh, I've been looking at doing it for a couple years. I just haven't committed enough to be in in shape enough to be able to go do it and have a thousand dollars laying around for a, a very high chance of coming home empty-handed yeah well yeah that's that's crazy like again you got to be you got to be committed to something like that wow so i know that that the the draw deadlines and everything they they definitely are something you got to keep up with um especially if you're um, doing on a budget or, or that kind of thing. And, you know, you want to make sure you, you're able to put in in time. So, um, any advice on keeping up with those deadlines or, uh, any, any resources that you found? Yeah. Let me, there's one page on Instagram that I'll find and I'll send you the link when this is over and I can't remember the name of it, but they put up a post every time a draw deadline opens or a draw let it's 24 hours or less until that state closes. Um, so following them is really helpful because, and then you can sign up on their website where they will email you, um, 24 hours before any deadline. I'm not sure if it's the one you're talking about, but, um, I do follow hunt reminder on I think it's, yeah, I think you're Instagram. Right. I believe that is the one that I follow as well. Yeah. Hunt reminder. Um, and they're awesome. Um, so that's super helpful. Um, also on our website, there 
uh, fall obsession that is there you guys put up a thing this year with all the application dates um, like montana's for deer and elk is today april 1st um, colorado's for everything is april 6th which will probably be the day after this comes out um, and so there's a few others that are pretty quick in there uh, idaho has an april 30th for moose bighorn and goat so if you're thinking idaho that's definitely worth getting on that uh, and montana's for moose um bighorn and goat is april is may 1st as well gotcha you, and you said colorado's is april 6th is that right yeah yeah i think it's tuesday yeah so just just to put some emphasis on that because um even though we're recording this a few days in advance this this episode's coming out guys on april 5th so if you're needing to get put in for colorado tomorrow's the day so um get on that pretty quick so make sure you get get those uh get those applications in the deadlines for for certain states and and even some deadlines for states that we're talking about some have already passed like we already mentioned colorado's is tomorrow at the time that this episode's coming out um but let's talk about uh, wyoming the kind of deer elk antelope because there's still a little bit of wiggle room still a little bit of time there so you have any advice for guys putting in for um any wyoming hunts yep so wyoming is june 1st is when its deadline is one thing especially if this is your first western hunt the wyoming non-resident doe and fob or fawn tags are the best deal you can ever buy um they are there's a 15 dollar application fee and then they're 34 dollars wow uh as a resident of colorado my pronghorn tag would be more than that like as a resident in Colorado, Tate and Colorado pronghorn. So uh, a non-resident doe tag in Wyoming is the best like value you can possibly buy. If you do it right, you could take your family out, take a pronghorn if you bring a big cooler, and then go to Wy- go to Yellowstone and try to get it worked out as your vacation because the antelope season is pretty early in in the in September if I remember right. Let me pull up the exact dates. Uh, but it's like in September, so it's still warm enough that you could be outside doing fun stuff with the family. Um, I know a lot of people do that that I know where they'll go up and hunt an area um, and then take a doe, bring a cooler, pack it away, and go up to Yellowstone or something for the weekend for a couple days. And then they've got their family vacation out of the deal. Um, so that would be one thing I definitely would stress. Um, if you just want meat and want the experience, um, it's a wonderful wonderful hunt um to do it buck tags a little bit more for antelope but it's still um semi-regional at three about 330 um, before stuff um, as for deer and elk you probably want to get some points built up before you um jump in that too much the land access gets tricky um, in wyoming here and there anything that is actual wilderness you have to, as a non-resident, have a licensed outfitter to take you there. Um, so a lot of units look really awesome, and then it's like 50% wilderness, so half the unit you can't even hunt in, and that's most of the public land in the units. You're like, oh, this unit says it's 70, 50, or 60% public land. That's great. Well, of that, most of the public land you can't go into. So you definitely want to research that really carefully um, in Wyoming, unless you are going to hire an outfitter, and then that takes care of that problem, and they'll know what to do. 
but if you're going to try to DIY it, definitely look into that. Um, most of western Wyoming has lots of wilderness. Eastern, not as much. So that's another option is if you go east side, um, that's where more of the antelope are anyways. So if you're going to antelope, that's a good, good option there. Gotcha. What other advice do you have for um, guys putting in this year, first-timers putting in this year, or even guys who have been building up those preference points for a little bit trying to get one of those uh, one of those coveted tags? Well, my first advice to everybody who wants to come out west is get good boots and break them in. No matter what you are, what experience you have, a good pair of boots broken in is worth more than any application. Um, the next one I would say is it's better to hunt um, regularly and then just build up points for no then build up points for a dream hunt because if you let's say you build up 25 points um, so you put in for 25 years you started at 20 so now you're 45 you're a lot older um, you're not able to do quite as much you spent a bunch of money on points you're invested you've got a really awesome hunt set up well if you've never been elk hunting and that's your first time that elk hunt is going to stink even if you go to the best unit in the world because you just don't know how to hunt elk um, so along the way, if you're going to build for long-term, try to do one or two either second choice hunts for either cows or like less likely to happen bulls or buy an over-the-counter tag, say once every two or three years when you can afford it along the way to build your skills, um, for whatever animal. I know elk is probably the most common one that people build for, um, in a lot of places, mule deer is another one where but there aren't any over-the-counter options and there's really not a way to get a lesser tag um in colorado so if you want to hunt mule deer another great state for that is idaho um idaho has really awesome um ways to get mule deer their application system is kind of weird where you basically put in in december for the next year so you really got to be on that so this year you are just be looking at for 2022 hunts for idaho um but if you we're going to want to do mule deer. That's a good way to get, get some experiences in in um, Idaho for building for a premium unit somewhere else uh, would be my two big pieces of advice. So if you're going to build hunt along the way, that way you get skills. If you're going to go this year, definitely get some good boots, um, and get that going. Absolutely. Yeah. That's been, uh, that's been stressed on here before by several people, especially those who um, are out there doing, the do-it-yourself hunts in uh, some of the states that we've mentioned here is footwear is very, very important. So, and we have a lot of resources for some stuff that our guys recommend if you guys are interested on our website. So, so another thing that um, some states do have um, is secondary draws. And then also they have some leftover licenses, over-the-counter tags, stuff like that. So um, let's talk a little bit about that kind of what's important with those secondary draws, what what they can offer, at, at least in your uh, experience in the areas that you're familiar with, and we'll kind yeah, of go so, from there. So Colorado does a secondary draw. Basically what it is is every license that didn't get picked up in the first draw um, is eligible for secondary draw. So most of these tags are either tags that are hard to fill um, because it's just difficult, or it's a place where they just have a ton of tags like the area i was talking about unit three where i go elk hunting when my season second season um cow elk had several hundred in the secondary draw it has like a thousand tags for that season and there were several hundred in the second draw um after the second draw they were all gone 
normally they all fall to the um, leftover list, which is every tag that doesn't get taken in the secondary draw. Um, so secondary draw, it go they, uh, that application period is in like June, like mid-June to late June. Um, then you find out in July if you get it. You still got to pay the application fee, um, So, and, but you can't use preference points. So it's like if the tag's there and you put in, it's the same shot you're going to get as anybody else is going to get it, except for kids have preference. So this is a great way if like you decide late, like, hey, let's take the kids out hunting. They're 12. They've got their hunter safety. It's a great way for your kid to get a tag um, without quite as much paperwork or anything um, to have an opportunity. Youth tags are a lot cheaper um, in Colorado for everything. They're around 100 bucks for deer, elk, and pronghorn, whereas like a non-resident adult is 400 to 700. So it's quite a bit less. Um, so it's definitely a good option there. Uh, then left like i said leftover tags or anything that make it through that and that list does change here and there if people don't pay for their tags or if they turn them back in so one thing i recommend doing is if you didn't get a tag at all like you put in you got points and you're like hey i've got vacation time to burn this year hope the big pull up the leftover draw or the leftover licenses um and i'll get sam the link to put up and our stuff online once it pulls up this year uh, and check it like every every day take five minutes search through all of them see if there's anything you want a lot of times it's mainly private land only tags in certain areas so it might be worth getting on the phone and trying to call some people and say hey i see you have some ground here is there any way i could hunt it i'm looking at doing this antelope tag or this elk tag or this bear tag or whatever um a lot of people are very open to letting you hunt bear um around so that's definitely something that might get you a little more likely to get access if you took go for a bear instead of something else um, so it's definitely something there over the counter licenses. So what this means, the state's going to sell an unlimited number of licenses. And this always happens in August, um, for certain seasons. Again, that's for elk, that's archery or second or third rifle for deer. There's none for antelope. It's archery. Um, and that's really, and then there's some unlimited bear licenses as well. Um, for elk, they have both either either sex, antlered, or um, antlerless, so cow. So definitely want to make sure you read correctly the paper, which one you're putting in for um, and pick the right one. One thing they always offer is an Eastern Plains um, cow or either sex tag. Make sure you're really careful about picking that one. It's a ton of private land only. Um, very unlikely you'll find... Um, elk on public in that area so if you are going to buy that one make sure you do have some land access that actually has land that actually has elk um, it's sold for a ton of areas that there's no elk at all that's pretty much those um, one thing is if you do become a resident definitely look at the ranching for wildlife um, tags like i said they are high high success rate you basically get a private ranch to yourself and a few other people for a set period of time um if you get the the either sex tag, which there's only one of a year, and they're pretty hard to draw, but usually it's guided. Um, whereas otherwise, if you get the cow tag, you get a get a good shot at a cow. Um, so definitely something to think about if you become a resident of Colorado. Very good. And again, guys, like we mentioned earlier in this podcast, we do have a 
uh, several resources on our website, um, and I'm sure we'll have more to come, but one of them is the 2021 state draw application deadlines. That is the actual title of the article that we published, and it has all of the major um, dates and uh, what states they correlate with listed out there all the way through the end of the year. So stuff that you guys uh, need to know or, or might be curious about, you can check it out there. Um, we'll try to put some stuff on our social media frequently as some of those dates come up just to remind folks. And uh, there's also several articles that staffers like Tim and uh, some of our other guys have written uh, just over time, even, even some articles from last year. Um, that are really good resources for guys who are wanting to either put in for tags or plan an out-state hunt, stuff like that. So some awesome resources that you guys can find at fallobsession.com. Well, Tim, I know that um, draws and these applications, stuff like that, it's it can be a, a complicated process, and hopefully we didn't muddy the waters too much for folks, but um, can you think of anything that we that we haven't covered that would be good to inform people about? And one other thing, Colorado, and I'm sure every state has this. I just know theirs because uh, I've dealt with them before, has a place where you can just call, and they will walk you through all this. Um, they call it, like, the hunt coordinators. Uh, the phone number is on this Parks and Wildlife website. They're super helpful. Like, even if you just have a question like, hey, this looks like public, but is it really public? They'll answer basically any question you ever have. They're super helpful about, like, hey, what's this number actually mean on this tag? Where do I find this in the brochure? Because, uh, like, the brochure rule book is, like, 70 pages. It's crazy long. And it's got amendments. Like, the new one online is already 78 pages, whereas the paper one I have is 71. So there's already seven pages of changes to it, and it's not even – we're not even there yet. <laughs> huh. uh, so it's definitely something. Call them if you have questions. They will help you immensely. They've helped me even locally just, like, figure out land access stuff. Um, and some other stuff like that. Gotcha. Well, very cool. Well, Tim, I appreciate you coming on this week, man, and taking some time out of your day today to discuss this stuff with us. Like I said, I hope that it is a that it's a good resource for guys who are curious about some of this stuff. I hope that they learn something from listening. I certainly did. Um, and obviously, if uh, if guys have any questions, they can reach out to us at Fall Obsession, and we can. Uh, put them in touch with somebody who hopefully is going to be able to help them in, in their local area, I believe. So, um, but this is also, um, kind of changing gears a little bit before we completely hang it up. This is your first time on our podcast. So I know that you're a, you're a loyal listener in addition to one of our staffers. So you, you know, the drill when we have first timers on here, we're going to ask you some, some questions. <laughs> so it sounds good. So first, first question that I'm going to hit you with is what is your favorite hunting memory and tell us about it. So I probably have two and I can't really split them up. So we're going to go with two if that's cool. Go for it. Okay. So probably my, one of the most special ones was when I got my first pheasant. Um, is that a field that we still hunt very regularly? Uh, me and my brother have both taken really big mule deer now, since then there now. So it's, it's a really awesome hunting field for us at our farm. Um, I'm blocking. So basically the guys are walking towards me and all the birds are flying, flying at me. And I'm about 13, 12 or 13 at the time. And just passed shortly a year or two after I passed hunter safety, I hadn't got a bird yet. I'm out there with my grandpa. He's sitting in the truck next to me and 
I'm standing, bird gets up right next to me and is just flying directly behind me. I, I spin around and, and shoot it and drop it straight down into the, the cut cornfield and run over there and pick them up. And it's just like this awesome moment of, <laughs> you know, getting your first, first bird and your grandpa's there and cheering and everybody's happy and excited. It's just one of the most awesome, like memory moments ever, um, that I've ever had hunting for sure. It's just totally special. So that's awesome. I, I'm looking forward to when my daughters get, get to do that someday and, um, get to share that with them. Absolutely. Very cool. As for my, my other probably favorite, funny, funny story, but awesome moment. Um, I was over in South Africa a couple of years ago hunting and, uh, we had been hunting for a, a whole day at this point. We're on day two up in the morning and I only have two days to hunt. We basically crammed a safari into part of a mission trip I was on. So, um, it's a good way to, to not pay a lot for a safari, but it, it worked out great. So we, uh, we had got we we're after kudu we hadn't really had any major shot opportunities yet and i ended up not getting one but we're driving along and the uh the the, P, the professional hunter basically the guide says hey put the gun out the window and uh get ready to shoot he gave me this whole long lecture the day before how we don't shoot from vehicles we don't shoot when we're moving we don't do any of this stuff and it's totally legal but he's like we don't do any of this stuff give me a whole lecture about it so i'm like something's going down I'm like hopefully nothing bad so and their vehicles drive where the driver's in the right seat like our passenger and the passengers in the left seat so i'm in the left side basically be driver u.s side so rolling the window down put the put this uh 308 rifle out the window and up on this hill he goes there's a baboon he said you just need to hit him i don't care where we have to kill him um there and baboons in africa if you don't know are actually a mega pest like way worse than coyotes here um, they'll destroy buildings. They'll eat kid, like eat baby animals. They'll break into houses and steal stuff out of pantries. They're just like total pests. Um, and so like every preserve everywhere, they're like either free or very, very reasonable to hunt. Um, and so this guy's like, I'm not going to give me a long story. If we shoot a baboon, there's no charge no matter what, whatever. So I was like, cool, this will work. So um, you know, I'm on this baboon. I put the crosshairs just on the top of its head. And it's running up the way this hill. It's probably 150 yards away. I squeeze the trigger and drop him up there. And we walk up there and we uh, we have to shoot him again because I actually hit, hit him in the bat, lower back. Um, but we shoot him again. And he's like, you want some pictures with him? We take some pictures. And this thing weighs like 150 pounds. Wow. Full, full male baboon, just monsters. Like you, I never imagined how big they are. But uh, so it was a pretty funny story. This whole like, hey, we don't do this, and then it was like, once we do it, it was like everything happened all at once. <laughs> it's pretty funny. That's awesome. Well, very cool. Awesome memories. Next question I have is, you, you obviously have have gotten to go on some awesome hunts awesome experiences going to africa and then just being in colorado you you get a a regular opportunity or or often to hunt elk mule deer whitetail that kind of stuff but what are what's at the top of your bucket list for hunts that you have not gotten to do yet so probably caribou and moose in alaska is probably number one um, and then I would love to go do desert bighorn in Mexico. Wow. I think are my like top three and hopefully at least one of them will get to happen. Um, those are, those are probably my top three. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I think I've said on here before Alaskan caribou is, is at the top of my list as well. So that's a, that's a dream hunt for me. 
Well, very cool, man. I, again, appreciate you coming on the, the podcast this week and uh, hanging out for a little bit and talking about some of this these draws and applications and stuff. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You bet. Guys, if you haven't already, hit that follow and subscribe button on whatever app you're listening to this podcast on. We really appreciate it. That way you get notified every time we drop a new episode. We come out with a new episode every single Monday morning. We've been doing it for 57 weeks now, and we have no intentions of stopping. So please hit that follow and subscribe button. Um, Go to fallobsession.com. Check us out. Like we've said, there's a lot of resources on there that we've created for you guys that are relevant to what tim and i have talked about today and also just a lot of other information in general we have uh it's basically our hub that's where you can find all of our content uh wild game recipes videos our podcasts are on there photos and a lot more right now is the springtime so we do have our 2021 turkey hunt competition going on right now so pre-registration is open you guys can sign up for that pre-registration rates are only available until april 10th after that um it goes to the regular registration price so we got a bunch of teams already starting to sign up it's looking like it's going to be a really cool event so if you want to compete this year in our turkey hunt competition doesn't matter where you're at you can sign up and register um, today and finally go to our social media facebook instagram subscribe to our youtube um, follow and like us we post daily and regularly and we try to center our content around uh, educational stuff and quality content for the everyday hunter and outdoorsman so go check us out tim thanks again man i appreciate it you're welcome all right guys we'll catch you guys again next week for another fall obsession podcast episode